1: America the land of opportunity, Apollo Creed does, and he's gonna prove it to the whole world by giving an unknown a shot at the title, and that unknown is you, it's the chance of a lifetime, you can't pass it by, his name is
2: Rocky. His whole life was a million to one shot.
3: Oh man, he says to me, you weren't born much of a brain, you know, so uh, you better start using your body, right? So i would become a fighter. Time, kid. Let's go.
4: My mother, she said, said, you weren't born much of a body, so
5: you better develop your brain. The electricity is all over the place tonight. As Rocky Balboa. You know, I've been coming in for six years. In six years you've been sticking it to me. I want to know how I'm
3: I wait here and you fight.
6: Adrian is a loser.
3: You no, know, you're looking very great today, you know that?
6: And if she don't watch out, she's gonna end up dying
3: alone. I gotta go now, but uh, don't you leave town, huh? And you're gonna end up dying hey, alone. I don't see no crowd around you, need Wish me luck, I'm gonna need it. I'm one underdog living a Cinderella Story. I think we make a real sharp couple of coconuts. I'm dumb with you a shot. What do you think? He's captured people's imaginations all over the world. What's the problem? You don't like me? Rocky Balboa climbing into the ring now.
7: Touch me. The Italian Stallion. Take in your
3: arms. Is that the world heavyweight champion of you Bob don't? The It really don't matter if I lose this fight. Is he supposed to be George Washington? That's so all I want to do is go to distance. The world heavyweight champion. Seeing that bell rings and I'm still standing. I want the I want to know for the first time in my life. Cream. We're just another bum from the neighborhood. I
6: want
4: you! How did you come to train in an icebox? I'll break
6: both your arms so they don't work for you.
4: Now you're
6: a big shot fighter on the way up. You don't even draw a plump to your friend, Paulie.
1: You you it! You owe me! Rocky. His whole life was a million to one shot.
0: Hey there, it's Brian Davis, and for this week's episode, we're going to cover easily one of the movies in my top five of all time, and that is the original Rocky from 1976. The studio was United Artists. The release date was December 3rd, 1976. The running time, 119 minutes. The rating was PG. The budget was only $1 million, and the box office took in a whopping $117 million, making it the top-grossing film of 1976, and that was domestic gross. Rotten Tomatoes gives it 94% fresh from 62 reviews. The critics' consensus is the story of a down-on-his-luck boxer is thoroughly predictable, but Sylvester Stallone's script and stunning performance in the title role brush aside complaints. Roger Ebert at the time absolutely loved the movie and gave it 4 out of 4 stars. And here's his review. She sits tearful and crumpled in a corner of her little bedroom. Her brother has torn apart the living room with a baseball bat. Rocky, the guy she has fallen in love with, comes into the room. Do you want a roommate, she asks shyly, almost whispering. Absolutely, says Rocky. Which is exactly what he should say, and how he should say it and why Rocky is such an immensely involving movie. Its story about a punk club fighter from the back streets of Philly who gets a crack at the world championship has been told a hundred times before. A description of it would sound like a cliche from beginning to end, but Rocky isn't about a story, it's about a hero. And it's inhabited with supreme confidence by a star. His name is Sylvester Stallone, and yes, in 1976, he did remind me of a young Marlon Brando. How many actors have come and gone and been forgotten who were supposed to be the new Brando while Brando endured? And yet in Rocky, he provides shivers of recognition reaching back to a streetcar named Desire. He's tough, he's tender, he talks in a growl and hides behind cruelty and is a champion at heart. It inhabits a curiously deserted Philadelphia. There aren't any cars parked on the slum street where Rocky lives or the slightest sign that anyone else lives there. His world is a small one. By day, he works as an enforcer for a small-time juice man, offering to break a man's thumbs over a matter of $70. In his spare time, he works out at Mickey's gym. He could have been good, but he smokes and he drinks beer and screws around. And yet, there's a secret life behind his facade. He is awkwardly in love with a painfully shy girl, Talia Shire, who works in a corner pet shop. He has a couple of turtles at home named Cuff and Link and a goldfish named Moby Dick. After he wins 40 bucks one night for taking a terrible battering in the ring, he comes home and tells the Turtles, if you guys could sing and dance, I wouldn't have to go through this crap. When the girl asks him why he boxes, he explains, because I can't sing and dance. The movie ventures into fantasy when the world heavyweight champion Carl Weathers, as a character with a certain similarity to Muhammad Ali, decides to schedule a New Year's Eve bout with a total unknown to prove that America is still a land of opportunity. Rocky gets picked because of his nickname, the Italian Stallion. The champ likes the racial contrast. And even here, the movie looks like a genre fight picture from the 1940s, right down to the plucky little gymnasium manager, Burgess Meredith, who puts Rocky through training, and right down to the lonely morning ritual at rising at four, drinking six raw eggs, and going out to do road work. What makes this movie extraordinary is that it doesn't try to surprise us within an original plot, with twists and complications. It wants to involve us on an elemental and sometimes savage level. It's about heroism and realizing your potential and taking your best shot and sticking by your girl. It sounds not only cliched, but corny, and yet it's not. Not a bit, because it really does work on those levels. It involves us emotionally. It makes us commit ourselves. We find, maybe to our surprise, after remaining detached during so many movies, that this time, we care. The credit for that has to be passed around. A lot of it goes to Stallone when he wrote this story and then peddled it around Hollywood for years before he could sell it. He must have known it would work because he could see himself in the role, could imagine the conviction he's bringing to it, and I can't think of another actor who could quite have pulled off this performance. There's that exhilarating moment when Stallone, in training, runs up the steps of Philadelphia's art museum, leaps in the air, shakes his fist at the city, and you know that he's sending a message to the whole movie industry. The director is John Avildsen, who made Joe, and then another movie about a loser who tried to find resources to start again, called Save the Tiger. Alveson correctly isolates Rocky in his urban environment, because this movie shouldn't have a documentary feel with people hanging out of every window. It's a legend. It's about little people, but it's bigger than life, and you have to set them apart visually so you can isolate them morally. And then there's Talia Shire as the girl. She was the hapless sister of the Corleone boys and the Godfather. When she hesitates before kissing Rocky for the first time, it's a moment so poignant it's like no other. And Burt Young as her brother defeated and resentful, loyal and bitter, caring about people enough to hurt them just to draw attention to his grief. There's all that. And then there's a fight that ends the film. By now, everyone knows who wins, but the scenes before the fight set us up so completely, so emotionally, that when it's over, we've had it. We're drained. And that's the end of Ebert's review. Rocky is the epitome of the American dream. Watching Rocky for the first time as a kid for me was like a religious experience. Again, it's easily in my top five for favorite movies of all time, and it reinvented movie storytelling in many ways. Sports movies now almost always follow the Rocky story arc, along with the underdog themes. The use of montages was a staple of movie making in the 1980s, mostly because of the template that Rocky set, along with the brilliant and inspiring score. Rocky was one of the first movies to use the Steady Cam, which was invented by Garrett Brown, who filmed Rocky. And while it would be easy to blow this movie off, you know, with its importance to cinematic history, especially due to the many sequels, the original Rocky was just groundbreaking, and the character that Sylvester Stallone created is one of the most iconic in the history of film, without a doubt. So I'll always remember my dad telling me about when he first saw the movie, when it was originally released, and how the theater was just so into the movie, and especially the final fight scene, that people were just cheering and jumping from their seats with every punch. Very few movies can draw this reaction from moviegoers. When I was in college, I had to take a film production class. It was a requirement for my broadcasting degree. And one assignment was to pick a movie and then go into detail about a key aspect from that particular movie. And the aspect could be the way the film was shot, the lighting, the music, the use of color, you know, whatever you wanted. So my class partner and I chose Rocky and the use of music in film. Because without the brilliant score by Bill Conti, Rocky just wouldn't have been as powerful. The opening notes to Gonna Fly Now immediately made the hair stand up on your arms, not to mention the score for the fight scene. It's just so awesome. And if you want to hear more of my thoughts on this amazing soundtrack, check out episode 97, and I talk exclusively about the Rocky 1976 soundtrack, in-depth, track by track. All right, let's get into the main cast. Sylvester Stallone, of course, played Rocky Balboa. Stallone was definitely an unknown at this point, much like the character of Rocky, he did appear in some small roles in the early 1970s, with The Lords of Flatbush being his most recognizable role from 1974. And we'll get into the backstory of how Rocky was made and how Stallone stuck to his guns when it came to starring in this film that he wrote. And after Rocky, Stallone would go on to be one of the biggest stars in Hollywood history. Talia Shire plays Adrian, and Shire is the sister of Francis Ford Coppola, and prior to Rocky, she was best known for her role in as Connie Corleone in the first two Godfather films. And her son is Jason Schwartzman, who has gone on to have a fine acting career as well. Burt Young plays Pauly, and he started acting in the early 1970s, mostly playing heavies. He was in the Marine Corps in the late 1950s and was actually a very good boxer during his military days. He actually ended up turning pro and went 17-0 and was managed by Customato. You might know him as the manager of Mike Tyson, along with Floyd Patterson. And like others in this film, Young would be best known for his role in the Rocky franchise. Carl Weathers plays Apollo Creed, and Weathers, prior to becoming an actor, played pro football as a linebacker. He played with the Oakland Raiders in 1970 and 71, and then played a few years in the Canadian League before becoming an actor. Uh, Weathers was in a few exploitation films before basically landing a career-making role as Apollo Creed. Burgess Meredith plays Mickey, and of all the actors in the original Rocky, Meredith was by far the biggest name and a star prior to the release of this film. Meredith had been acting in films since the 1930s and was married to one of the most beautiful actresses of her era, Paulette Goddard, in the 1940s. Some of Meredith's best-known early films were Of Mice and Men, The Story of G.I. Joe, and Advice and Consent, though many people knew Burgess Meredith for his TV work, especially as the Penguin in the Batman series from 1966. He was also in one of the most memorable Twilight Zone episodes called Time Enough at Last. It's actually pretty awesome to be known by different generations for different roles. And arguably, his role as Mickey in the Rocky series is what many in the current generation remember him as. The director is John Avildsen, and Avildsen started in films as an assistant director for Otto Preminger and Arthur Penn. His directorial standout was 1970's Joe with Peter Boyle, and then 1973's Save the Tiger with Jack Lemmon. But suffice to say, Rocky would be one of Albertson's most successful films, along with The Karate Kid from 1984, which is essentially the teenage version of Rocky. All right, we got tons of great information about the making of this film, so strap it in. So Sylvester Stallone was a struggling actor and a writer and lived in just really tiny room. And as he has said, the good part about having this little room was there were few distractions and he could write his stories without being bothered. Uh, One subject that kept creeping back into his stories was unrealized dreams, which is something that everyone can relate to. You know, why didn't I get that one great shot at success? Stallone actually thought he was going to be typecast as a bruiser type of character, so he fell back on his writing ability, and he was influenced by movies like Mean Streets and Marty and On the Waterfront. He was really intrigued by the premise of what inspires someone to dig down deep. It's above and beyond money. It's about personal integrity and pride. So Rocky wasn't supposed to just be a fight film. The fight was the payoff. It was more about the human element and a love story. And he was intrigued that the character of Rocky was misunderstood simply because of the way he looked. Because on the surface, he's this tough-looking guy who could almost be seen as a bully of sorts, but he's nothing like that at all. So after acting in Lords of Flatbush, Stallone moved to California to try to make it in Hollywood. He even had to sell his dog, Buckus, because he needed the money and couldn't afford to feed him. So while he was in California, he watched a Muhammad Ali fight where he fought Chuck Weppner who was known as the Bayon Bleeder. So in this fight, Wepner had no chance at all. He wasn't even the same class as Muhammad Ali. But for that one night, for one brief moment, Wepner actually knocked down Muhammad Ali.
8: Wepner has a glazed look in his eye, like uh, he's beginning to tire and his right foot behind him a little bit as ali continues to bounce around a little bit faint both ways by wetner but nothing with the type of movement the fluidity that muhammad ali would have when he does the same type of thing to see the blood spurting across the eye of Chuck Webner. Webner turning his head away from Ali now when he puts that left in his face. It's the right hand that you're going to have to watch out for because when Ali unloads that on top of that cut it'll split it wide open. We'll look for right hand momentarily. Webner walks right into the left jab of Ali. Wepner not concerned with the left jab at all. He just takes the punch. Ali faints the top part of his body back and slips the punch to his left. Oh, A vicious shot to the rib of Muhammad Ali and what a surprise. With his right hand where he hits Ali right by the heart let watch for the punch there's the left hand that sends him back now watch this punch bang and it caught Ali by total surprise watch it again watch it again bang he catches him Ali turned it caught him just by the ribcage right next to the heart that can surprise a guy yourself. you know I saw that
7: but only way I could get to, them, you to play that
0: And from there, Stallone had an epiphany after watching this fight. This guy Wepner will forever be known for this one brief moment when he did something that very few could say they've ever done. And that was the inspiration for Rocky. So Stallone went on a writing frenzy, and three days later he had the initial script for Rocky. 90 pages, and from that, only 10% of that initial script remained in the final draft. So because it was the 1970s, the anti-hero was all the rage, and that's how Stallone's early script went. The original script wasn't the inspiring story that we all know and love now. It was grittier and even darker, and Rocky even threw the fight. The character of Mickey was an angry racist, and so Rocky didn't want to be part of this world, so he decides to throw the fight to get out. Stallone's first wife hated the script and didn't like the Rocky character at all. Stallone agreed and then rewrote the story. As luck had it, Stallone had a meeting with the producers uh, Erwin Winkler and Robert Chardoff, who passed on Stallone for a particular role he wanted. However, Stallone mentioned that he was a writer and he had a script they might be interested in. They asked to see the script, and the script that he actually sent wasn't Rocky, but Paradise Alley. Though, to the credit for Winkler and Chardoff... That can't be understated because they actually ended up taking a chance on a then-unknown writer. So Winkler and Chardoff really liked the story and the script of Rocky Eventually, when they eventually saw it, but they didn't really want Stallone in the lead role. Uh, So Ryan O'Neill, Burt Reynolds, Robert Redford, James Caan, they were all considered for Rocky. However, Stallone was so invested in this script that he just couldn't bring himself to sell it to the studio. So the bids got even as high as $300,000, which was a huge sum of money back in the Stallone was living in complete poverty, so this was more than life-changing money for him. However, he just couldn't get past the fact that if he sold the script and it was a success, he couldn't live with the passing up of the chance to star in something that was so near and dear to him. So, much like the Rocky character, he took his shot and decided not to sell the script and star in the picture himself. Eventually, the deal that Stallone had with Winkorn Chardoff was that Stallone could star in the film if he wrote the script for free. Stallone, of course, took the offer. Because the producers had nothing to lose, it was a great deal for them. If Stallone had asked for any fee for the script, they would have turned him down, they said. So the budget was very small. So a lot of it was guerrilla filmmaking. So the producers had a deal with United Artists for movies they called put films, where any smaller film made for a million dollars or less could automatically be made. And if it went over a million, then Winkler and Chardoff would cover the extra cost and credit has to be given to director John Avelson, who would use the environment around him to the film's advantage, like the famous training scene in The Long Shot where Rocky is running along the shipyard, and he builds up speed while the ships go by. This was a spur-of-the-moment shot where Avilson saw the location and told Stallone to get out and run on the dock, and he'll film it. Even the quick part where the guy on the street tosses Stallone in orange, that was completely spur-of-the-moment. Nobody knew they were shooting a film. And this is why no other Rocky movie in the franchise could match the grittiness and the realism of the original film, because once you have more money to play with, you don't have to cut corners. But sometimes the minimalistic style is what works best, and that's why Rocky 1976 works best. During the fight, uh, Stallone's father is actually the bell ringer. It was truly a family and friends affair to keep the costs down. Frank Stallone, of course, is one of the street singers. Buckkiss was Stallone's real dog, and Stallone's first wife was the set photographer. Talia Shire was a last-minute choice to play Adrian. They couldn't find the right person, but the night she came in to read, which coincidentally was the same day that Carl Weathers came in to read for Apollo, she just had the right look and the right feel for the Adrian character. Stallone just loved everything about her and felt she was perfect for the role. And Talia Shire said that she hates auditions and doesn't do well in them, but she said the best one she ever had was for Rocky, and she felt the connection immediately with Stallone. Carl Weathers was the perfect Apollo Creed in Stallone's vision of the character. Amazing voice, he had a chiseled body, moved gracefully, he was exactly what Apollo was written as. Initially, real-life boxer Ken Norton was going to play the Apollo character, but then he decided to join ABC and this superstar com- competition show. And two days later, Weathers walks in to audition, and Stallone knew he was the guy because of the bravado he displayed. So during the audition, Carl Weathers ran through a few lines and even boxed a little with Stallone, and then Weathers stepped back and said to John Avildsen, you know, I could do much better if I had a real actor reading with me. And he didn't realize that Stallone was going to be the star of the film. Avilson said, well, that's the guy who wrote the script. And Carl Weathers chuckled and said, well, maybe he'll get better. <laughs> he was totally Apollo Creed without even acting. So, Butkus the dog wasn't even going to be in the film. But during the trip from California to Philadelphia, Butkus kept farting the whole car ride and just wouldn't take a dump whenever Stallone stopped to let him go. Finally, when they arrived to the hotel in Philly, He took, as Stallone calls it, a pyramid-style dump in the hotel room. And Stallone, right there, decided that he needed to put Butkus in the movie and the rest is history. Stallone wrote Mickey as a character who had a wealth of knowledge and experience but had a rough life and this was his second chance to make something of his life, much later in life, by giving all the boxing knowledge he had to Rocky to give him the best shot he could have. Lee Strasberg was actually the first choice for Mickey, but he wanted too high of a salary. And ironically, Lee had called Burgess Meredith to tell him he was going to be working on this great new film called Rocky. Unbeknownst to Strasberg, Meredith was also sent the Rocky script as well because Strasberg's asking price was too high for the budget of the film. Stallone was so impressed with Burgess Meredith from the second he first met him. Meredith had been, of course, acting since the 1930s, and he still had the great enthusiasm for his craft, and Stallone said that his love of the role of Mickey was just infectious. He was also the biggest star of the film at the time, as I mentioned before. Meredith had all sorts of ideas for the character and studied promoters and managers to get into the role, and he kind of morphed himself into the Mickey role. His voice alone was the embodiment of all these sort of guys who had lived that rough life. Winkhorn Chardorf once said, everything about this film leads the so-called wiser minds to say, how could this film get made? It's a broken down fighter in the streets of Philly who falls in love with a plain Jane, and women won't see a boxing movie, and the outcome isn't a traditional fairy tale ending. Who would want to see this film? And as Woody Allen once said, when someone gives you a million reasons not to make a film, that is the one reason to make the film. Alright, let's get right into the movie. The movie begins with Rocky fighting another lowly small time fighter named Spider Rico. The date is November 25th, 1975, in Philadelphia. It's also notable that the intro is what will later become one of the most iconic themes in any film in history the opening horns to Gonna Fly Now, written by the amazing Bill Conti. The intro music immediately grabs your attention. So Rocky is not a technically gifted fighter. He's essentially a street brawler in the ring. He's got heart, and he can take a punch, or in his case, hundreds of punches. And the crowd is an unruly bunch of derelicts screaming and throwing garbage into the ring during the fight, with one guy even going up to Rocky between rounds and asking if the fight will go three rounds and if he feels strong. This is only so the guy can make a bet. You gotta love small-time boxing matches. The darkness of the way the fight is filmed is a perfect setting for the mood of the film. It's dark and it's gritty. It's very 1970s. The fight really isn't going Rocky's way until Spider gives him a cheap shot by headbutting him and cuts Rocky over his eyebrow. Rocky then seems to quickly wake up with rage and he just pummels Spider for the knockout. Even with this win, the crowd doesn't like or even respect Rocky. Rocky bums a Rocky ends up bumming an already lit cigarette from one of the fans leaving the ring. And as one charming woman in the crowd yells at him saying he's a bum, welcome to Philly. <laughs> so Rocky's share of winning the fight is $65, but his take home is, is $40.55. While the looter Spider Rico takes home $17.20 after deducting all the fees. His was $40 bucks and gross. So Rocky wants to know when he fights again. The promoter says probably two weeks. And a doctor sent in to stitch up his cut from the Spider Rico headbutt. One thing that could never be matched with any of the subsequent Rocky films is the original grittiness of the first film. And part of this was simply out of necessity and the lack of budget. But it was also a product of the 1970s filmmaking. Uh, one of the best eras in cinema history. For example, Rocky walking the streets of Philly after his fight shows a realism that this era was terrific at. So I will touch upon the music a bit because it plays a vital role in the film. However, again, if you want an in-depth analysis of the music, I, I, I did an entire episode of the soundtrack of this film. And again, go back and check that out if you're a fan. So while walking home, Rocky runs into a group of street singers singing in front of a garbage can that's on fire. The leader of this group is none other than Sylvester's brother Frank singing Take You Back. So Rocky's just kind of a lovable sort of guy. He makes pleasantries with the group, takes a swig from one of their bottles, and tells them they're getting better every year, like only Rocky can. One of the things Rocky always had with him, at least in the early films, which he later brings back in the Creed films, is a racquetball. He is always bouncing it around or flipping it up in the air to amuse himself. It's like this generation's fidget spinner. In the old days, you kept a racquetball in your pocket. That's old school, baby. So Rocky's typical outfit is pretty much all black. Black leather jacket, black slacks, black shoes, black hat, and then a white or a gray t-shirt. He lives in a tiny one-bedroom place, which is just a mess. Even as a kid, I was always amused by his love of his two turtles, of course Cuff and Link, and his goldfish Moby Dick. Of course, as we find out later, the only reason he even bought them was to strike up a conversation with Adrian at the pet shop she works in. But I'm jumping ahead. There's an interesting quick scene when Rocky is sort of rehearsing a joke he's going to eventually tell Adrian when he goes to the pet store the next day. He then looks at the pictures of himself as a kid and then stares at the mirror of how he looks after his fight. Without saying a word, he's basically saying, what am I doing with my life? I've seen this movie a ton over my lifetime and it's likely something you miss without repeat viewing, but it speaks to the Rocky character and how underrated Stallone is as an actor. The next day, he visits Adrian at the pet shop to finally tell her the joke he's been rehearsing the day before. And again, while it's corny, Rocky's just a lovable guy, and even if it seems like he's simple-minded.
3: How you feel this morning, huh? Full of life. Fine.
4: Hey,
3: how you doing, killer? How's the turtle food this week?
4: Fine.
3: <sighs> Me, I'm kind of aggravated, you know?
4: I'm sorry.
3: It's your fault, I'm just kind of aggravated. You know, you want to hear about it? I'll
4: huh? tell you somebody don't want to hear about
3: that. Yeah, you don't, Lloyd. Mm. You know, the last turtle food I got here had more moths at the flight, you know what they dreamt? And these moths, they get caught in the turtle's throat right about here in it cough, right? And I got to smack them on the back of the shell. and what do you think they get? Huh? And they get what? Huh? For what? Show shot. Like show shot. What do you think?
4: It's starting with bad jokes,
3: really, huh? Well, no, inventing jokes ain't so easy we'll no, sometimes. You
4: know. No, son, that was Hey, how's
3: my buddy doing today? Yo,
6: budkins! I
3: ain't
4: had time to
6: tell them. Yo,
4: kids. Adrian, I want you to go downstairs and clean all the cat cages. They're a mess.
3: That turtle food, Rockhead. Hey, crime don't pay. You know that, boy. You know that.
0: So Adrian is just painfully shy, and Rocky is sort of the opposite, because he'll talk to anyone. And while they seem like an odd couple, the two actually make sense together because they will eventually complement what each other lacks. So while Rocky is a boxer, he essentially makes his living by being the muscle for a loan shark named Gazo. The problem is that Rocky is just too nice, ironically, to actually rough someone up.
6: Where you going? Where you going? Huh? Where you running?
4: Where you hey! 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 Hey!
6: Don't, don't hit the face! No, no, not the face! Mr. Gazzle wants
3: the 200 now. Yeah? I'm
6: broke! I don't think
3: I'm broke! Mr. Gazzo says I should get the 200 or break your thumb. You understand? Please! Huh?
6: Please! Don't no, break What's
3: your name again?
6: Huh?
3: Bob. Bob. Listen, Bob.
6: listen,
3: Bob. You want to dance, you gotta pay the band. You understand? You want a ball, you got to borrow, you gotta pay the man. Hey, I ain't emotionally involved, Bob. You understand? Give me some money. Give me some money.
4: It's
3: 130 here. Yeah.
6: I'm broke. Hey, Bob. Hey,
3: hey. You're still 70 dollars late.
1: You don't have
3: to break nothing. Here, take my coat. It's worth 50, Hey, take the coat. Take the coat. You no, know, you should have planned ahead. You know that? You should have Look, planned we'll ahead.
6: we'll fake it. I'll tape up the hand like it broke the thumb. Planned ahead. Gazo don't have to know. He won't be wise to nothing. Gazo won't be wise to nothing. Keep the coat. Keep
3: the You only had 130, but I think he's good for the rest next week, Mr. Gazzle.
5: Sure, Rocky. Bob's good for it. That's it
3: for today. Tomorrow, collect from Del Rio. is late three weeks and I don't like it. Tomorrow, three weeks. Del Rio? All right, I got it. Del Rio. How do you spell Del Rio? How
5: did you do last night?
3: I did real good. Hey. What?
2: Did you get the license number?
5: Of what? The truck that ran over your face. Relax, buddy. All right, pull it over here. I want to let Rocky out and then I'm going to talk to him for a few seconds. You did not break this guy's thumb like I told you? To. How do you know I didn't break him? You don't think I hear things? Did I give you a job this morning or I didn't? Yeah, huh? yeah. So why don't you break his thumb like I told you to? When you don't do what I tell you to do, you make me look bad, Rock.
3: I figure, look. I figure if I break the guy's thumb, he gets laid off, right? You can't yeah, look well, it. He can't make... Yeah, well, don't figure it. Let me do it. the figuring,
5: okay, Rock? From here on in, just let me do the figuring. You know? These guys think that we're running some kind of charity or something. They're gonna get a flight. From here on in, do what I tell you to do, because it's bad for my reputation, you understand? You got, you got it, Rock?
3: I got it. Hey, how do you spell Del Rio? It up in a dictionary, Rock. Come on. Hey, yeah, I won't let that happen no more about the thumb. You know?
6: So long, meatbag. I should've broke your thumb!
0: I always love the back and forth between Rocky and Gazo's driver, who is a total scumbag, but he plays it perfectly. And Gazo is played by Joe Spinell, who was also in The Godfather Part 2 as Will Cece. Again, the acting in this film is just terrific, and nobody was better than Burgess Meredith as Mickey. And things come to a head when Rocky finds out that he no longer has a locker and mixed gym.
3: Hey yo, Mike. Where's my lock? Whose stuff is this in my lock? Stepper stuff. It
6: ain't your locker no more.
3: What are you talking about? It ain't my locker. It's been my locker for six years. Where's my gear?
6: Mickey told me to bag it and hang it.
3: You put my stuff on skid row. I've been in that locker for six years and you put my stuff in a bag on skid row?
4: Mickey tells me what to do. I gotta do it. Right, Rock?
3: Where is it?
6: He's outside working with Dipper
4: in a bad mood.
3: Oh, my.
6: Hey, man. Shut up. To the body. To the body. Right up, out of here. Time. Time.
3: Now, what do you want? How are you feeling today? What? I said, how are you feeling? What, are you a doctor or something? Well, you got problems today? Never mind my problem. What's your problem? My problem is I've been talking to your man, Mike. I want to know how come I've been put out of my lock. Because Dipper needed it.
2: If is a contender. He's a climber. Do you know what you, are? Uh, what? A tomato? It's
3: me. Yeah, let's
2: face it. I run a business here, not a goddamn soup kitchen. Did you fight last night?
3: Yeah. Did you win? Yeah, I won KO in a second. Yeah? Who'd you fight? Spider Rico. <laughs> He's a bum. You think everybody I fight is a bum? Well, ain't they?
2: You got heart, but you fight like a goddamn ape. Nothing special about you, you never got your nose busted. Well, leave it that way. Nice and pretty and what's left of your mind.
3: Hey, you know, Mick, I think I'm gonna go take this team. You know what? Because I did real good last night and you should have seen me. Big team. You should have seen me, too. Hey, kid, you ever think about retiring? No.
2: You think about it? Yeah. All right, time.
6: Hey, hey, Tyne! Whoa!
2: Well, I dig your locker, man. <laughs>
0: i love all the piss and vinegar that mickey has again nobody could have played that character better than burgess meredith also the last line of rocky thinking about retiring was improvised by meredith the outside of mickey's gym was filmed in philadelphia while the inside was filmed in los angeles so rocky tries to ask adrian out that night At the pet shop. However, it's almost like talking to a shrink as Rocky does all the talking while Adrian is polite, but she's almost completely silent. In the beginning, you can't tell if she's annoyed or or smitten with the attention that Rocky's giving her.
3: Cold night. Good night to catch pneumonia, you know. You need some help with that case? There's a good game down in the spectrum tonight. Want to go to the basketball
4: game?
3: <laughs> hey, but kids. Hey, kid. Tough day today. You know, they took my locker away. I had that locker for about six years. but don't bother me no Lockers are bad anywhere after a while, people get the combination. I must have had 20 bucks taken out of there in the past six years, you know? Don't sound like much, but it adds up, you know? Doesn't matter, who cares, you know? Yeah, cold night. Hey, bird. Hey, look who's here. Look who's here. The giant worm. Look at these birds. Don't these birds look like candy, you know? Like flying candy. Hey, bird, you want to fly me home? You need somebody to walk you home, you know?
4: Hmm?
3: No. No? It's a cold night, you know. If I was you and you got the money, I would uh, take a cab or something. Too many creeps around here, you know. Every other block is a creep. You can always tell a creep. Alright, listen, I'm gonna go now, okay? Listen, I'll see you later, alright? None all right, you guys get up. I know you had a hard day in the cage, right? So, uh, I wanna go home, make up a joke. I'm gonna tell you a new joke tomorrow, okay? Good night, Agent.
0: Good night, Robbie. Talia Shire actually came up with the entire wardrobe and what the character of Adrian would look like, and this was the beauty of, sm- of a small-budget f- picture. They were allowed the freedom to create their own wardrobe. And then we meet another charming character, Adrian's brother, Paulie. Again, like Burgess Meredith, Burt Young completely owns this character. He is such a scumbag, but it's but it's really the character, and he'll forever be known as Pauly, and he's perfect in this role.
1: I like to kill the freak of moron who broke the mirror.
3: Hey, yo, know, Pauly! Every day, every night, I pass by you. This is giving me the shoulder. You know what I mean? Forget it. Now, what do you mean forget? You do no better than her. Don't forget nothing. Every night I pass by the place I tell a joke. Every morning I pass by the place I tell a joke. Nothing. She just looks me. You know what I mean?
4: Looks, huh?
3: Yeah, like I'm a play of leftovers. What? I need a Cadillac to connect with your sister. Something <laughs> wrong with my face. You know what I mean? She's a freaking of Hey. Sometimes she gets me so crazy,
1: I could split her head with a razor.
3: Oh, don't get mental, man. You know. Well, you caught me in a bad mood. You're always in a bad mood.
1: Adrian ain't sharp. Adrian is a loser. Hey, She's pushing 30 freaking years old. And if she don't watch out, she's gonna end up dying alone.
3: I'm 30 myself.
1: And you're gonna end up dying alone. Hey, I don't
3: see no crowd around you, neither. You would like what to I mean? kill a
1: freaking moron who broke the mirror. that's hey, come on, I... on,
3: let's get out of this state, would you? Come on. I want to talk to you anyway. About what? You
1: still work for Gazzo?
3: Yeah, sure. Why don't you talk to him about me? Well, I just don't think Gazzo's hiring right now, you know? No?
1: The girl's drying up. Who? My sister. If she don't start living, her body's gonna dry up. You know, tomorrow's Thanksgiving, you know that? Mm-hmm.
6: Why don't you come over and talk to her? Sure. Here. Yeah.
1: Tomorrow you come for some bird, right?
6: Absolutely.
3: You got it.
1: I gotta go. From ten minutes late, she calls the hospital. You know, to...
0: Poorly! I
4: got it.
0: As you can tell from the last clip, you do hear the heavyweight champion Apollo Creed being interviewed on TV, and the Creed character was definitely an homage to the great Muhammad Ali, you know, complete with his bravado and his confidence in the way he speaks and carries himself like a wordsmith. Ali had every right to be confident he was the best, as was Creed for this film at the time. Then we get another great scene, though it really doesn't add anything to the plot, but it shows the character development of Rocky. He runs into a group of teenagers, and one of them is the foul-mouthed Marie. And actually, her character would later be revived in Rocky Balboa 30 years later. The reason it's a great scene is that it shows that Rocky cares about people and has a heart underneath his tough exterior, And even though his efforts are met with a lack of respect and appreciation, he would likely do it again for someone else because he's generally a good guy.
3: Rocky, how about
7: a huh? No, no wine. Come on, just no 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 a
3: little
4: up. No wine, come on, No wine, did
3: your brother know you're hanging out so late? No, he got back. Hey, these guys teach you to talk like yeah. that. Stop, hey, stop it, man. Hey. hey, don't you never say hey. that, man. Come hey. here. Hey,
4: you know, when I was your age, there was only
3: one girl in the whole neighborhood that talked like that, you know what I mean? Yeah. That was it, just one. What are you doing? Come well, on, make your teeth <laughs> yellow. Don't do that. I like, like
4: yellow teeth. I'll
3: make your breath like garbage.
4: Maybe I'd like garbage. Come
3: on, nobody likes garbage. Anyway, this girl with the dirty mouth, she wasn't bad looking, but you see, none of the guys ever took her serious, you see? They never took her out for any serious date. Why? Because that's the way guys are. They laugh when you're dirty, they think you're cute. But after a while, you get a reputation. That's it. You get no respect, you understand? You get no respect. I gotta use a bad word. Poor. You understand? Poor see,
6: he used 30 words and maybe you
3: end up becoming a war, you understand? Hey, that don't matter to your 12, that don't matter. You don't really have to be one, you just act like one and that's it. Boom. Hey, you get a bad rep, you understand? 20 years from now, 20 years from now, people are going to say, Hey, you remember Marine? No, who's she? Ah. She's a little whore that hung
6: down the atomic hokey shop. Oh, yeah, 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 now I remember her. You see, they don't remember you. They remember the rep. You understand? Hey, you got a boyfriend?
3: No, you ain't got a boyfriend. You know why? Why don't you think you have a boyfriend? Because you're hanging out with them coconuts in the corner. You understand? You hang out with them coconuts, you get nowhere. They're lemons.
6: Lemons. You hang out with nice people, you get nice friends. You understand? You hang out with smart people, you get smart friends. Yeah, well, yo-yo people get yo-yo friends.
3: simple I hope you ain't gonna you know, What was I gonna say? You
4: hope I don't keep acting like a whore, I'll
3: turn into one, right? Yeah, something like that.
4: Good night, Rocky.
3: Good night, Marie. Take care, you know? Hey, Rocky. Yo.
4: Screw you, Creepo.
3: Yeah, who are you to give advice, Creepo?
0: The studio, crazily enough, wanted to cut out the Marie scene because they didn't see the point in it, but Avildsen fought for it because he felt it was a pivotal scene and he was totally correct. Finally, we are introduced to Apollo Creed properly. Unfortunately for Apollo, his next fight has to be postponed because his opponent broke his hand. Are the doctor's reports confirmed?
1: Definitely. Says here Mackley Green has suffered a severely cracked third metacarpal in his left hand. Of course, we can cancel the fight indefinitely if you're set on fighting Green. Hey, it ain't just
9: Green. Now, what about all the time Apollo is invested? I believe we can find a solution. solution. Solution? Nothing. Now, you better find me another rank contender, and I mean in a flash, Jurgens. Don't play games with my client. Apollo's already done a million dollars worth of publicity, has made contractual
2: obligations with 20 different organizations. He's not going to be embarrassed. I contacted Ernie
1: Roman's manager. Ernie's fighting in France that same week. And get me Buddy Shaw. Hell, he's ranked fifth. Went to California and gained 50 pounds. I get hold of every worthwhile contender, and they all say the same thing. Five weeks just isn't enough time to get into shape.
9: Oh, shape? Nothing, man. They're afraid. Hell, they know everybody in the world's gonna see this fight, and none of them got a prayer whipping me. So they're making excuses so they don't have to be the chump to get whipped in front of the whole civilized world.
1: All I can say is I'm a good promoter.
9: I've promoted fights
1: in every goddamn country in the world, and I've broken my ass over this one. And I don't know what the hell else to do.
9: I do. Without a ranked contender, what this fighter's gonna need is a novelty. This is the land of opportunity, right? So Apollo Creed on January 1st gives a local underdog fighter an opportunity. A snow-white underdog, and I'm gonna put his face on this poster with me. And I'll tell you why. Because I'm sentimental. And a lot of other people in this country are just as sentimental, and there's nothing they'd like better than to see Apollo Creed give a local Philadelphia boy a shot at the greatest title in the world on this country's biggest birthday. Now that's the way I see it. And that's the way it's gonna be.
1: Apollo, I like it. It's very American.
9: No, Jurgens, it's very smart.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Like everyone else associated in this film, Carl Weathers is Apollo Creed. And like everyone else associated with the Rocky franchise, they are best known for their roles in the film. Weathers will forever be known as Apollo. He really does a terrific job with this role, and he just gets better with every subsequent film in the series. The other great side character is Duke, or Tony, uh, played by Tony Burton, who actually wasn't given a name until Rocky III. He was just credited as Apollo's trainer for the first two films. Rocky meets with Gazo again, and we get a line that I love to repeat when my friends tell me they're taking their significant other on a date: "Take her to the zoo." Wow,
3: what is it? I just want to check this thing out. You said pick up two yards from Schneider and a grand from Capoli, right? No, 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 no. Two yards from Capoli wow. and a grand from Schneider. Two okay, yards, right it down, two yards. Okay? Yeah, I got it. Got it. Who's this girl you're going out with tomorrow night? How'd you know? Ah, uh, you know, don't
5: you think I hear things? A lot of canaries flying around the docks. I'm going
3: over with Paulie's sister. <laughs> hey, Rob. What? I hear she's retarded. She ain't retarded, she's shy, you know? I'll tell you what to do. Take her to the zoo. I hear retards like the zoo. Hey, this bum got to say that? All right, back, back it up, call. buddy. I'm calling you up, a bum. Okay, punk. relax, relax. Buddy's in a bad mood, it's his prostate. Oh, well, he's always in a bad mood. You know you ought to count your blessings, buddy. You're still a healthy person, you know that? I don't like your
6: face. I don't like your Z's. Kiss my ears. Uh, come uh, on your
5: shoulders now. Uh, come right right on, relax, 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 relax. My ears, what are you driving me crazy? Both ears. But he doesn't like you. Yeah. Now, some guys, they just hate for no reason. Gabby's? Yeah. Come here. 50 bucks. You and your girl, Adrian, you have a nice time.
3: Yeah? Thanks. Hey, how'd you know her name? You don't think I had things? Yeah. <laughs> hey, Rob. What? I don't know what I
2: told you. What'd you tell me? Take it to the zoo.
0: So, as much as Gazzo's driver is an unlikable sort of fellow, Gazzo actually takes care of Rocky. He's a lone shark with a heart. However, even though Adrian is the only thing on Rocky's mind, his future is actually being planned unbeknownst to him.
4: Some more coffee, Mr. Creed.
0: No, thanks, Shirley.
9: What do you think about Billy Snow? Fowls. How about uh, Big Chuck
4: Smith?
1: Yeah.
9: No, he's too old and dull. Hey, the Bobby Judge, he's a good boy. No, I and mean, I don't feel any heat from that name.
1: Joe Zack's a good prospect. Exactly what are you looking for, Apollo?
9: This is what I'm looking for. The Italian Stallion.
1: Rocky Balboa? Never heard of him.
9: Look, it's the name, man. The Italian Stallion. The media will eat it up. Now, who discovered America, an Italian right? What would be better than to get it on with one of his descendants? He's a southpaw. I don't want you messing around with southpaws. Now, they do everything bachelors. Southpaw nothing. I'll drop him in three. Apollo Creed meets the Italian Stallion. <laughs> Sounds like a damn monster movie.
0: I love the arrogance and showmanship of Apollo in the last scene. He doesn't even consider that anyone in the world could beat him. For him, it's all about marketing the fight and giving the fans a show, and he'll laugh all the way to the bank. So Carl Weathers said he told producers that he had boxed in Canada at a few small clubs and whatnot, thinking they'd never be able to find out that he wasn't really telling the truth. Until that is, they went to a gym to rehearse the fight scenes, and they realized he wasn't a boxer. But he was definitely an athlete, and he did a wonderful job with his natural athletic ability. In the meantime, Rocky goes to Paulie and Adrian's house for Thanksgiving dinner for a date. However, nobody bothered to tell Adrian she was going out with Rocky. And Polly is such an asshole to Adrian that he just chucks the turkey she prepared out the door into the alley. What a guy. He even grabs a chunk of the bird and eats it like a caveman.
1: Polly, you're late. Go to the hospital? She goes to the hospital 10
3: minutes late. Joe, oh, how are you doing? I told you she's very excited.
4: Holy, why didn't you tell me you were bringing him here? you look at me, I'm not ready for this.
1: I it would make a difference if you were. Look, he's a friend and now he's taking you out. No, I can't. You know, you're out of the kitchen and I want you out right now.
6: Whoa. Hey. Hey. Hey, I want you out of here
1: instantly. I'm sick of
6: seeing you hanging around
1: like a freaking spider. Go out and live. Enjoy life. Boy, I can't go. Don't get wise with me now, huh? I'm tired of you being loose.
7: Don't call me
4: that, Paulie!
9: Tony, the
7: Colin says he'll be shopping for another victim oh. to fill Green's vacancy for the Bicentennial Championship fight. Yeah. To be held. Don't tell me you
4: were bringing him home. How do you know I did? By
7: the way, rumor hasn't got this to be the most widely
4: go, go! Why? Paulie, it's Thanksgiving. I got a turkey in the oven.
1: Oh, a turkey in the oven. Oh. Want the bird? Go in the alley and eat the bird.
4: Oh,
6: boy. I want you out of here. Get out of the house. Let me go enjoy your freaking life. You hungry,
0: Rock? So Bert Young improvised tossing the turkey out the door, and Talia Shire didn't actually know he was going to do that, which led to a real shocked reaction from her. Young actually created the Polly character to walk like he's arthritic after spending years in the meatpacking plant. He'd put turpentine on his hands to kind of give sort of a tight feeling and remind himself that he was this broken down sort of guy. Young tried to make himself as uncomfortable as possible in order to show the misery that was Polly. In any case, Rocky, in his own way, convinces Adrian to go out with him on a date.
3: Hey, yo, Polly, listen, maybe we just better forget all this, you know? Just forget it.
6: Forget nothing. Go ahead, Tell her something funny. Ain't nothing
3: to talk about. She's in a bad mood. I'm in a bad mood. Yeah, you
1: know how to do funny things. You want to go out with my sister? Yeah. Oh? Yeah. I don't
6: know what to say. Funny.
3: Yo, Adrian. It's me, Rocky. Rocky, you know? Listen, uh. I don't know what to say because I ain't never talked to no door before, you know? I mean, what do I say to a door? Hey, listen,
1: I can't forget. What? You're doing
3: fine. I ain't doing fine. I look like an idiot.
1: Keep doing what you're doing. funny. I know
3: all about these things. You look like a jerk. you know, it's rocky again, you know. Listen, uh, I know you ain't too happy at this moment, you know. Well, could you do me a favor, you know, I ain't got nobody to spend Thanksgiving with, you know. So, uh, how about maybe you and I, maybe we will go out together, get something to eat. I don't know, maybe laugh a little bit, who knows, you know. Would you like to, uh, I don't know, would you like to maybe, uh, you know, you want me go out together? What do you think? Would you like to? We're gonna have a good time. I'll have a real good time, eh? Really. Thanks for the bird. I'm
6: gonna turn the TV off, I gotta hit it.
3: What's your sister like to do? Ice
1: Hey, Adrian, come on, you're letting the heat out. Who pays the bills around here?
3: Listen, I don't want no turkey anyway, you know?
4: But it was Thanksgiving. It was what? It was Thanksgiving.
3: Yeah, to you, but to me it's Thursday, right?
0: while there are many classic scenes in this film, Rocky and Adrian's first date is one of the forgotten classics. It's incredibly charming, it's simplistic, and it's got great tenderness. It's also the beginning of Adrian opening up as a person.
8: Aren't you
3: skating? Nah, I ain't skating since I was 15, you know, that's when I started a fight when I was 15. Skates got kind of bad for the ankles, you know?
4: Yeah.
3: You're a pretty good skater, aren't you? <laughs> You know, like I was saying before on the way over here, you know, fight used to be tossing me, but no more, you know? See, all I wanted to do out of fight was prove I was no bum that I had to stuff to make a good pro, you know? You never got the chance? Oh, hey, you know, I ain't crying about it, because I still fight, I kind of do it like a hobby. See, I'll tell you what the trouble is, you see, I'm a southpaw. What's a southpaw? Oh, southpaw means you're left-handed, and southpaw throws your timing off, you see? Other guys, throws their timing off, makes them look awkward, nobody wants to look awkward. You know where southpaw came from? Nine huh? I'll tell you, a long time ago there was this guy maybe a couple hundred years ago he was fighting in the uh he was fighting around, I think it was around Philadelphia, and his arm, he was left-handed, his arm was facing towards New Jersey, you see? And that's South. So then actually they call him South Paw. You see? South Paw, South Jersey, South Camden, South Paw. You know what I mean? I don't know, things probably worked out for the best, don't you think?
4: Never got a chance though, because you're left-handed,
3: huh? Oh, well, that's absolutely true, you know. Watch out. Watch out. I'm um, ah, 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 ah. I just dislocated my finger. Ah. Look at that. Oh!
4: No, no, oh. no. Hey,
3: wait, hey, hey. It ain't your fault. Look. See? Look, I had it. It's all it's an old wound. You see that? Look. See? Nothing. It bends like that. See, I originally done it. Look, push the button. Bong. It works. No, it ain't your fault. Look. I'm gonna show you something. Seven like minutes! Yeah, I originally. I've originally done it. I carry pictures of all my fights. I've originally done it in the baby Crenshaw fight. You see that? Big baby's about the size of an airplane. I broke both my hands on his face. I lost that fight, but that's a nice picture, don't you, think? See how it works there? Real nice. Uh, Come on, you having a good time? I'll tell you, you can see I ain't too graceful, you know what I mean? I don't move well. But I'll tell you, I can really swat, you know what I mean? I can really hit hard. But I'm a softball, and nobody wants to fight no softball, you know what I mean? Huh? Woo! You know how I got started fighting? Huh? No. Am I talking too loud?
4: Three oh. minutes.
3: My, my father, he's uh, my old man. It was never too smart. He says to me, you weren't born much of a brain, you know, so uh, you better start using your body, right? So I've become a fighter. Oh. You know what I
4: mean?
3: <laughs> why are you, Why are you left?
4: My mother, she said the opposite thing.
3: What'd she say? What'd she say the opposite?
4: She said you weren't born much of a body, so you better develop your brain. Did she say that? You! Time! Can I ask you a question? Absolutely. Why do you want to fight?
3: Because I can't sing or dance. Hey, yo! Don't fall! Don't fall! Hey, that was terrific. I'm pretty good at this. You like the way I skate? You know, the last fight I had, I had with this guy named Spider Rico. Yeah. He busted my head up there. You see that scar? i there, things get pretty rough in the ring.
0: One thing about this famous date scene is that it was originally supposed to be a restaurant date. But that seemed so cliche, so instead they thought of an ice skating date with 300 extras, and they wanted a real packed skating rink. However, when Stallone came to shoot that day, they only had one extra because it was too expensive to film the original idea. So they thought maybe it should be a restaurant idea again. So then they decided, well, no, let's just have the rink closed with one extra as the rink operator. And as it turns out, the scene works so much better with just Rocky, Adrian, and the rink guy. Plus, Stallone doesn't ice skate at all. So even though Stallone wrote the scene, he improvised Rocky running on the ice. It just works perfectly, even if it was an accident. So one thing that's never explained in any of the Rocky films is the family history with Adrian and Polly, though Adrian kind of briefly mentions what her mom said to her while skating with Rocky. That one little line sort of gives a brief insight about why she's likely as shy as she is. What's really interesting is that Adrian actually agrees to go to Rocky's place, though it took some convincing on his part. However, Rocky is charming in an unconventional sort of way, and Adrian trusts him in a naive sort of way. She ends up spending the night, and they basically are together for the rest of the series. (laughs) There's the power of ice skating on Thanksgiving. As Stallone has said before, Rocky is a lot of things to many people. But to him, the heart of this story is Rocky and Adrian finding each other. Once they get together, both of their lives sort of just fall into place. And also, regarding that first kiss scene, Talia Shire had the flu at the time, but Stallone didn't care, and the scene worked really well, and he really didn't care about getting sick. The scene is really so important to the evolution of Adrian's character. She's been told she's a loser her entire life by her very insecure brother, and the only other sort of relationship she has is with the animals at the pet shop, and so to finally be loved for who she really is by another man was very satisfying to her, even if she is completely terrified of being rejected or humiliated like she has been her entire life. So things are going great for Rocky, he finally has a woman in his life, and things are really going to change for him now.
3: Hey, you got something for
2: me? Yeah, there was some guy here from Miles Juggins looking for you.
3: They need sparring partners for Apollo Creek. Put me on. Here's a car. When was I here? About an hour ago. They'll probably look for sparring partners for Creed, you know? I said that before, you dumb dagle!
6: You know, I've been coming in for six years, and six years you've been sticking it to me. I want to know how come. You don't want to know. Yeah, I want to know how come. You want to know? I want to
4: know
6: how! Okay, I'm going to tell you. Because you
2: had the talent to become a good fighter. And instead of that, you became a leg breaker.
6: To some cheap second-rate loan shark. It's
3: a living.
4: It's a waste of life. Yes, may I help you?
2: Oh, you must be Mr. Rocky Balboa. Mr. Jergens expecting you. Just a moment. Mr. Rocky Balboa to see you, sir. Fine. Will you please go in, Mr. Balboa?
3: Can I have that?
6: Oh, certainly. Uh, Mr. Balboa,
1: how are you? Hi. George Jenkins, Take a chair, please. Thanks. Mr.
3: Balboa. Uh, call me Rock. it's Rocky. It's
1: Rocky. Tell me, Rocky, you got any representation? You have a manager?
3: Uh, No, just me. Hmm. Well,
1: Rocky, I've got a proposition I'd like to make to oh, you. Uh,
3: a besparn? You, pardon? Well, I just did I know you're looking for spawn partners and I just want to say I'm very available, you know. I'm
1: sure
3: you are. Absolutely. Uh, spawn with the champ would be an honor and you know what, Mr. Juergens. What? I wouldn't take no cheap shots either. I'd really be a good spawn partner, you know.
1: You don't understand me, Rocky. My proposition's this. Would you be interested in fighting Apollo Creed for the World Heavyweight Championship? No. Listen, Rocky, Follow see you fight. He likes you. He wants to fight you.
3: Well, it's just that you see uh, I fight in clubs, you know. And I'm really a ham and egg. Or this guy, he's the best. And uh, it wouldn't be such a good fight. But th- thank you very much. You know, I appreciate it. And all that.
1: Rocky, do you believe that America is the land of opportunity? Yeah. Although Creed does, and he's going to prove it to the whole world by giving an unknown a shot at the title. And that unknown is you. He picked you, Rocky. Rocky, it's the chance of a lifetime. You can't pass it by. What do you say?
0: I love the scene with Jurgen the promoter. The facial expressions from Stallone are terrific. You can genuinely see the doubt and the lack of confidence in his eyes. He's given the chance of a lifetime, and instead of seizing upon it, he'd rather not take it. I think it's very apropos for life in general. We all have these moments in life where you have to make a tough decision. And in those moments, will you have the guts to make the decision? It doesn't even have to be the right decision. But do you have the guts to take the risk? And this is why Rocky resonates with people. So Rocky accepts the fight, and then Adrian, Rocky, and Polly watch the press conference that Rocky did with Apollo. And this is where Polly's resentment starts to rear its ugly head as he discovers the amount of cash Rocky's going to take home. However, I love how naive Rocky is during the press conference, as he's really not used to any sort of spotlight.
9: Apollo, yes. how do you like the city of brotherly love? Well, just being in Philadelphia makes me feel patriotic. Beautiful people in a beautiful city coming up to me on the street wishing me the best. I love my Philadelphia brothers and I'm proud to be in America. Apollo, Apollo, champ, Apollo
1: champ. why did you agree to fight a man who has virtually no chance of winning?
9: Look, if history proves one thing, American history proves that, everybody's got a chance to win. Didn't you guys ever hear of Valley Forge or Bunker Hill? No? Uh, uh, Apollo, <laughs> Apollo, 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 yeah. uh, it is a coincidence that you're fighting a white man on the most celebrated day in the country's history? I don't know about that. Is it a coincidence that he's fighting a black man on the most celebrated day in the country's history? Oh, <laughs> right on. Tell oh, <laughs> the <another> truth,
7: brother. <laughs> Listen, to right, Apollo, yeah. tell me, how do you feel about your challenger?
9: How do I feel about it? Yeah. What do you mean? Come here, Rock. It's my man, man. Rocky, ain't you Italian? Yeah, I'm Italian. It's, well, uh, now, what does that mean? That means if he can't fight, I bet he can cook. <laughs>
3: <laughs> do me a
1: favor, as long punch
6: go, out. Go. Well, Rocky, how do you expect
3: to fight Apollo Creed? Oh, uh, well, geez, you know, Creed's the best. Uh, I guess I'll have to do the best I can.
7: Uh, tell me, Rocky, just between us, where did you get the name
3: Italian Stallion? Oh. Uh, uh, I invented that uh, about eight years ago when I was eating dinner. Rocky,
1: now your payday will be one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Any comment?
3: Uh, you nah. you got no comment, Rocky, right? No. No comment, no. right? Thank you, Rocky. Oh, very wait, much. wait, I just want to say hi to my girlfriend. Okay? Ah
6: uh, yeah. Yo, Adrian, it's me, Rocky. <laughs> <laughs> you believe all this? Look at the microphone. No, <laughs> he <Yeah. I> didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Rocky. You push him, man. Thank you,
1: Rocky. It well, don't no matter if he's making you out a fool.
3: and break 10 his 10 10 lips.
6: Just a a cheap
3: shots. Don't bother me, none. You and know, Rocky. The no,
1: Rocky. I guess you'd be looking for people to that help make you out.
3: Help what? You you know, if this
1: man survives keep you living a clean life.
3: I'll do okay, you know.
1: Need someone to help with the exercise and someone standing by with a towel or running errands, you know that.
3: Hey, yo, Paul, who cared about me yesterday, huh? Nobody. So uh, I just think I'm going to train myself, you know? Without such good
1: people around to help, you don't have such a good chance.
4: Einstein flunked out of school twice. That's uh. Yeah. Beethoven was deaf. Helen Keller was blind. I think Rocky's got a good chance. You want me to get your beer, Polly? Hey,
1: you looking to do a good deed? Keep out of my freaking life! What did I do?
3: Nothing.
1: Did I say something? You
3: didn't say nothing. It's all right.
1: That's
6: right! You didn't say nothing! Nothing at all! I gotta go.
3: Oh. Where's the freaking pretzels? I have the
6: pretzels. Hey, didn't you have any gear. I thought you were supposed to pick up some
3: beer. How'd you like hearing your name on TV tonight?
4: Uh, I was shocked. Why'd you do that?
3: Well, oh, you put me on, right?
4: Absolutely. What time should I expect you?
3: Oh, about seven. Hey. Hey, you know I said that stuff on TV didn't bother me none. Yeah. It did.
0: Again, it's the realness of this film, and that's what shines. When someone is given a chance of a lifetime, all of a sudden you have more friends than you know what to do with. People who didn't give a shit about you before now want to be your best friend. So Rocky has to deal with this now that he's been given a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. However, as much as being a loan shark isn't a reputable type of profession, Gazzo was always on the up-and-up with Rocky. He even gives him 500 bucks for training expenses. I think Gazzo is a misunderstood and underrated character in this film, and he generally cares about Rocky and is happy that this guy is given a chance to better himself. But the turning point in this film is when Mickey decides to pay a visit to Rocky's place and offer his training services. It's a brilliant, brilliant scene. It's honest and it's real. You can see where both sides are coming from and it's perfectly acted. Usually, most people remember this film for the amazing training scenes or, or the big fight. And yes, while they are indeed amazing, it's the lesser known scenes that make this film one of the greatest of all time. Yeah.
2: Light. Can I come in? Yeah, sure. Yeah, good. Hey, it's a nice place here. All right, anyway, what I come to tell you is that... that what happened to you is freak luck. Yeah, freak luck. Isn't it true? true? Look, Look at the other guys. Now, they're good fighters, right? They're colorful. They got good records. They fight their guts out for peanuts. But you, you get a shot at the title. Look, it's a strange thing, Yeah, you know. sure it is. Can I sit down? Yeah, sure.
3: Uh, what the hell are those? Oh, uh, those, those are the domestic turtles. They, the one on the top is Cuff and the other guy is Link. And the rest of them are marbles. Yeah, <laughs> They make good soup. <laughs> anyway,
2: look, I'm here to warn you that you got to be very careful about this shot that you got at the title. Because I don't like the Bible, says. You ain't going to get a second chance. Yeah. Nice. You, you thought of that. Huh? Well, what you need is a manager. A manager, listen to me. I know because I've been in this racket for 50 years. 50 years, 50 huh? years, God, I've seen it all, all of it. Uh, you know what I've done? What? I have done it all. You should have seen me when I knocked a guinea Russell. Out of the ring, out of the goddamn ring. That's uh, September the 14th, 1923. And it was the same night that Firpo knocks Dempsey out of the ring. The same night. So who gets the publicity? Figure that out. Dempsey. That's right. But why? Because he was
3: champ.
4: No,
2: because he had a manager. I had nothing. man. I want to show you something. I want you to look at my face for a minute. Look look at this. uh, I got 21 stitches over this left eye. I got... 34 stitches over this eye. You know what? I had my nose busted 17 times. The last time was with that fight with Sailor Mike. And I got that clip in here, I had a good fight. Wanna read that? Well, it doesn't matter. Anyway, he put this vegetation on my ear. Ah, Rocky Marciano. You know, you kind of remind me of the rock. You know that? really think so? That's right. You move like him. You,
3: and you got heart like he did. I got heart, but I ain't got no locker, do I admit? Uh,
2: anyway, you know, when I began in this business, kid, I... Uh, look, I want to make a suggestion. Don't drink that piss before a fight. You know, no good for you. You don't mind my saying. Anyway, anyway, you know when I started this racket, pugs like us—we was treated like dogs. For ten bucks, you got to tear somebody's throat out. But I never had no management. You know, one time this this son of a bitch that I fought—you know—he he put a nail right there. So? The, the thumb, yeah, the glove, and he punched so many holes in my face, and I had this spit shooting out of my cheeks. Can you imagine that? Anyway, well, I tell you what I looked like when I was. Uh, in my prime, I want you to look at something. Wait, look at that? Look at that. That's the way I looked before these guys got at me. It's nice. You yeah. take very good care of the picture, you know. But I never had, I never had no management. That's the trouble. But now, I got all this knowledge. I got it up here and I, I want to give it to you. I want to give you this knowledge. I want to take care of you. I want to make sure that all the shit that happened to me doesn't happen to you. You know what I mean? The fight's set. Listen to me, I want to be your manager. You follow that, do you? The fight's set, I don't need no manager. But you can't buy what I'm going to give you. I mean, I've got pain and I've got experience. Oh, i got
3: pain i got experience, too. Now, listen, kid. Hey, I look, hey, people, Mick. What? Look, I need your help about ten years ago, right? Ten years ago? Right. You never helped me. You didn't care. Well, if you to help.
2: I say, if you wanted help, why didn't you ask? Why didn't you just ask me, kid?
6: Look, I asked, but you never heard nothing.
2: Well I, I uh. I, I'm 76 years old. And uh.
3: To come to my house. Huh? What's the matter? You don't like my house? My house stinks? That right, it stinks! I ain't had no
6: babies from you! Don't fall around me!
3: Talk about your pride.
6: What about my pride, Nick? At least you had a pride! I ain't had no pride, I ain't had nothing. Legs are going everything is going, no one's getting enough. Guy comes up, offers me a fight. Big dude, wanna fight the fight? Yeah, I'll fight the big fight. Come around here, you want to move in here with me?
0: The brilliance of the last scene is due to the range of emotions. In five minutes, you have resentment, pain, anger, contemplation, and ultimately forgiveness. It's just awesome. The way Burgess Meredith plays this scene is what a lifetime of acting gets you. There's subtle moves like him slightly putting his head on the door when Rocky goes into the other room to avoid him. Or when he's about to leave and he slightly touches his forehead, you know, realizing that He didn't have his hat before giving a dejected look when Rocky comes out of the room and then he goes back in. It's just perfect. Also, the bathroom, it really did stink. That wasn't a lie. Rocky, of course, agrees for Mickey to manage him, which leads to the workout routine, which begins at 4 a.m. He downs five raw eggs and jogs around the streets of Philadelphia to the famous museum steps. His first run doesn't go very smoothly as he can barely make it up the stairs. And I can imagine this was likely due to the salmonella poisoning from his raw egg cocktail. But in all seriousness, the score in this scene is just terrific from Bill Conti. Later in the morning, Rocky visits Polly at the meatpacking plant where we see another iconic scene as Rocky decides to take out his anger at Polly's lack of respect towards Adrian on a side of raw hanging beef. You know, Rocky could have easily turned Polly's face into a complete hamburger, but instead he proves a point by using the beef as a punching bag. Polly backs off after Rocky's display, and this is also a subtle way of showing that Rocky has a heart. Some guys would have just pummeled Polly for his disgusting behavior, but Rocky, in his own way, told Polly without saying a word that if you keep messing with him or Adrian, I'll do to you what I just did to the side of beef. So regarding this famous meat punching scene, Stallone's knuckles are forever flattened out from the punching the raw meat so many times. It might look easy on paper, but those suckers were as hard as rocks, and Stallone's hands paid the price for it. Then we get the old boxing, and frankly sports in general, wives' tale about not having sex during training. Because as Mickey puts it, WOMEN WEAKEN LEGS! I'm not sure if there's any scientific facts behind this theory, It's sort of like not swimming after you've eaten.
2: Let's try this. I take this string, tie it to both angles, leave about two feet of slack. I
3: ain't never had good footwork.
7: Never mind
2: footwork. Now, you're all balanced out. Marciana had the same problem. And this string cured it. The idea that if you can move and you can hit without breaking the string, you can balance, become a very dangerous place. Good father. Okay. We're looking good, Mark. Nice. Let's go. No, no, there, That's, there, it.
4: There. That's it. That's
2: it. I don't need to. Rock. Right. What?
4: how about you give us your get kitchen.
2: out of here don't you ever interrupt me while i'm conducting business move your little chicken ass. listen kid you you lay off that pet shop game. women weaken legs
3: yeah but i really like this girl you know
2: but let her sign you
3: okay no more fooling around okay i hit it Women weak in legs,
0: huh? It should be noted that while Stallone was always built like a strong guy, he didn't have the tone in the first two Rocky movies like he did in later films or in Rambo. But again, this leads to the realism of boxers, especially the bruisers back in the day. They may have had giant arms, but they weren't cut like bodybuilders. Stallone actually lost weight for the final fight scene because Alvacen thought he looked a bit too heavy on the 8mm test scenes. Well, women may weaken legs, but Adrian has a heart of gold and she gives Rocky an awesome gift, but kiss the dog.
6: Yo.
3: Yo. Oh. Yo, you look great.
4: Really?
3: Oh yeah. Terrific. I mean you could be a heartbreak. You walk know, down the street breaking hearts the way you're
6: looking. Very shot.
4: I got I got another surprise for you. What? Like Hey, but come here, kid. Come here. To keep your company when you run. Oh, 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 Come on in and meet the family.
3: You ought to
6: never come back.
4: Oh, it's yours. If
6: like you want him. Oh, do I want? Come here. What's he eat? You start? What eat? Each little turtle, Yo, butt?
0: Speaking of Buckus, there was supposed to be a scene where, to show how Rocky's training was working, that Rocky is running up the steps at the, of the museum carrying Buckus as he triumphantly makes it up the steps. However, Buckus weighed over 100 pounds, and Stallone realized that that shot could go very wrong, and it was nixed. However, from all the running, Stallone developed shin splints, which were very painful for him. So, Paulie wants to get some publicity for his uh, meatpacking company, uh, and in turn, Rocky gets to show the world his training style of punching raw meat. So you get a news crew that comes out to film this. Apollo's manager is watching this on television and is a little more than worried about Rocky's fighting style, but Apollo can't be bothered. Uh, not to mention that Rocky is left-handed, uh, which can throw off any boxer. Uh, Apollo's definitely taking Rocky lightly. As a matter of fact, you never actually see Apollo train for this fight.
4: Today we're here with
3: heavyweight challenger Rocky Balboa. The reason we're standing in this refrigerated box... Hey, the
4: meat
0: guy's sticking his
5: face
4: in. Let's try it again, Rocky.
3: Today we're here with heavyweight challenger Rocky Balboa. The reason we're standing in this refrigerated box is that Mr. Balboa has an unusual method of training. And in a moment, he's going to demonstrate that for the viewing audience at home. But first, Rocky, how did you come to train in an ice box? Oh, well, uh... My friend, the guy over there, he let me in one day, and I hit the beef here, and I kind of liked it. And since I've become a challenger, the owner don't mind neither that
9: I come in.
4: Is this a common training method? I mean, do other fighters pound raw meat?
9: No, I think I invented it.
0: Would you don't give us forget a demonstration? do to
9: confirm the reservation sure. for our people at ringside. And be sure to fly my barber to Philly. Hmm? How much is being channeled into West Coast closed-circuit advertising? 300,000. And 450 and send the mayor's wife 200 roses from me and make sure we get a picture of it for all the newspapers. Do you want to run the 15 radio spots in the Midwest?
8: I think you could spend your money better in Canadian publicity.
1: By the way, Apollo, I've got a couple of friends up in Toronto who'd probably be able to get you a pretty good tax break. I'm sure like your
6: friends.
9: Hey, champ. You ought to come look at this boy you're going to fight on TV. Looks like he means business. Yeah, yeah, I mean business, oh, too. Hey, Shirley, you got any more coffee out there? Oh, oh
1: certainly,
4: Mr. Greed. I'll get you some
9: right away. After the fight, I may just retire and run for you. Yeah. Now, get the the arena is on the program session, and uh, the ghost run with the arena is going to include the
4: relationship. This is the best stop in <laughs>
3: Diana
6: Lewis, in the meat house, with South Paul, Rocky Balboa.
0: So things finally come to a head with Polly, Adrian, and Rocky. Adrian finally stands up for herself after taking years of shit from Polly.
8: And he called the reporters?
3: Yeah, I threw my whole training schedule off.
4: Don't be mad at him, he's just trying to help.
3: Oh, Adrian, I ain't mad, it's just that uh, when reporters are around, i get out of joint because they take cheap shots, and Polly knows that. This boy keeps asking me for a job all the time, but he don't know nothing about fighting.
8: Are you going to say anything to him?
3: What to say? I just don't know what he wants from me. I don't
8: want
1: nothing from you. I don't want nothing from you. This ain't no charity case. Get out of my house. It's not just your house. You're no friend no more. Get out of my house, I just said. Don't talk to him like that. Both of you get out of my house.
3: Yo, it's cold outside, Paulie.
1: I don't want you missing, huh? And I don't raise you to go with this scumbo. Yeah, come on. You want to hit on me? Come on. I'll break both your arms so they don't work for you. Thank <laughs> you.
0: Burt Young actually got his drunken walk from an actual wino who saw Young rehearsing on set and showed him how a real drunk would walk home. So what you don't hear from that last clip is Adrian asking Rocky if she wants a roommate. Rocky again says absolutely and she moves in with Rocky. And every scene with Mickey is perfect, like this gem. Now
2: when you walk into the ring with the number one heavyweight of the world you'll be ready, won't you? Why? Why? Because I waited for 50 years to make you rich, You'll be able to spit nails, kid. Like the guy says, you're going to eat lightning and you're going to crap thunder. You're going to become a very dangerous place.
0: And then we have one of the most famous scenes in film history, along with the greatest montage ever, with one of the best theme songs ever. I never get tired of it. The hair stands up on my arms every time I hear it. The training montage that started it all. It's inspiring, and you really think that Rocky has a chance against the champ. It's simply perfect.
4: You're gonna kill!
0: go from the high of this brilliant training montage, then to the self-doubt that Rocky has. To make matters worse to his psyche, the promoter doesn't even bother to get the giant banner correct in the arena. And this leads to Rocky thinking that it's all a joke. However, it's a powerful scene because when Rocky is contemplating on his chances, he realizes that he doesn't need to win. He just needs to finish what he started. If he lasts the entire fight, he goes the distance, it doesn't matter if he wins the fight because he's won the battle for himself. He's accomplished something for the first time in his life. This again is one of the non-publicized scenes that makes this film one of the greatest. Rocky, what brings you here
3: tonight? Mr. Juggers? the post is wrong. What do you mean? Well, I'm wearing white pants with a red stripe.
1: It doesn't really matter, does it? I'm sure you're going to give us a great show. Try to get some rest, kid. Good night.
3: What
4: are we going to do? I
3: don't know. You work so hard. before
4: don't say that
3: oh come on Adrian It's true I was nobody well, that don't matter either you know because I was thinking it really don't matter if I lose this fight it really don't matter if this guy opens my head either I want to do is go the distance. Nobody's ever gone the distance with Creed. And if I can go that distance, you see, and that bell rings and I'm still standing. I'm going to know for the first time in my life, you see? Another bomb
9: from the
0: neighborhood. So, the issue with the trunks not being the same in the large arena banner was actually a real life accident because the artist did indeed paint the trunks the wrong color. However, John Alvilson brilliantly added the promoter scene, which gave a perfect context to the mishap. Also, because of the lack of budget, they weren't going to spend the money to have a new banner painted. And sometimes, again, the lack of resources just works out in the end. So as you know, if you're a loyal listener, uh, normally for episodes, I don't give spoilers. However, for Rocky, I have to assume the majority of my listeners have seen the film. And if you haven't and you want to watch for yourself, you can skip ahead or simply watch the movie first and not listen to the upcoming analysis. So I can only imagine seeing this film the, the, for the first time, especially the fight scene. Again, I mentioned what my mom and dad felt when they first saw it in the theater. It was a bit different for me because I was only a kid and watching it on video. But at the time, I wanted nothing more than Rocky to win. It felt like a real fight to me. Every punch that Rocky landed, you cheered for him. Every punch that he was hit with, you felt. While the fights might have become more grandiose with each Rocky film, the original is still the best because it felt the most realistic. It's easy to forget some of the lighter moments before the fight, like Rocky telling Adrian not to leave town when he heads for the ring, or the disgusted look on Mickey's face when he notices that Rocky has Pauly's meat meatpacking plant logo on the back of his robe, which was Shamrock Meats Incorporated. Plus, Apollo is dressed up like George Washington, which turns the entire fight into a circus.
2: Hey, what the hell is that? I trained you to be a fighter and not a billboard. I'm doing it for a
5: friend. Well, what do you get out of it?
3: Apollo gets three grand, I get the rope. Shrewd.
5: The story about tonight's the fight, their style, their difference in style, you can quote a recent sports magazine which said, could be the caveman against the Cavalier. I notice a buzzing in the background now, Bill. Could be the challenger's getting ready to get into the ring.
1: Okay, look hey, at my date.
6: Toss me $200. <laughs> oh,
5: I, I gotta go, I gotta
6: work.
5: How's the rope? A 50-to-1 underdog living a Cinderella story, and he's captured people's imaginations all over the world. <laughs> Hey, for up. and his record 44 victories he's had 38 by knockout and he's lost 20 times
7: yeah, which makes me wonder can he stand it you know the stamina and the skill to last the three rounds because las vegas odds say no rocky balboa climbing into the ring now the Italian stallion. Some meat sign on the back of his robe. There. Have you seen what that was? Shamrock Meat Shamrock.
4: Company.
5: There's a lot of noise coming from the background. You could go deaf with that noise.
7: Yeah, the
4: spotlight. Am I
7: seen right back there. <laughs> Is that the world heavyweight champion? Of you know, three? he's in a in a boat. Riding in a boat. Is he supposed to be George Washington? Obviously, so. He's got the hat on the whole shot. Look at that. Well, it's been the World champion. Apollo 3 is doing an invitation of George Washington. He's throwing money. I don't. Remember when we were flying here, we were talking about George Washington and uh, throwing a dollar? Throwing a dollar. First dollar Trump, Trump. First of course a, a dollar in those days, and went a lot farther. I was taking a right-wing game <laughs> off the hat. it, yes. The crowd is loving every minute of it. Look at
5: this. Here is the world heavyweight champion.
7: Apollo prayed for you around the world, he was dressed as George Washington, the father of our country. All
6: of you. Come on, you! on, you! I do oh, see I'm seeing oh, right now. Uncle Sam and himself. All, right all there. of you! All of you! Well, all of all you! you.
3: He looks like a big flag. You. You. Is he talking to me? He's talking to you. Is he talking to me? talk. To I want the stallion! I want
7: the stallion. I want the stallion. For you and foreign countries during World War I, I, it's a picture of Uncle Sam with his finger pointed like that, a recruiting poster for our fellows in the service, the Army and the Navy. I want you. I want you. And that's what he's doing to take up.
5: There he is. That's it. Creed. He's got a creed in three. What do
3: you think that outfit cost? <laughs>
0: Paul even hired a hooker because the woman he brought to the fight is way out of his league. Adrian is so nervous that she doesn't even bother to leave the locker room to watch the fight. And another nod to the great boxing champs of the past, Smokin' Joe Frazier appears to greet both fighters. If you didn't know already, Joe Frazier actually broke Muhammad Ali's jaw in their first fight in 1971. The first few rounds of the Rocky Apollo fight are the most compelling and really followed the origin of how Stallone created the story from the Chuck Webner Muhammad Ali fight.
4: And
7: there's the bell for round one, the most publicized fight of the ages. The fighters come out, come into the center of the ring, looking at each other. Rocky just looking. Creed, the champion, sipping, flying those jabs out there, left-handed jabs, right to the head, bangs. The champ is stinging the slower challenger Jabs jabs at will. In fact, it just looks like Rocky is blocking the blows with his face. The champion doesn't look the best he's ever been, but he's really moving smoothly now.
5: Well, that champion is smiling now. He's toying with his man. He's trying to give the, the fans a the money's worth. Because we'll make a show of it with a very badly outclassed challenger right now. Come on. Yeah, he's just trying to make his man make the first one. See, make a miss like that. And he's just the champ is just taunting him now. Reed dancing around. Hey, right, I don't believe it! Hey, the champ is down.
7: Yes, he is. Reed is down. What a surprise this is! This is the first time the champion has ever been knocked down.
6: Boy, oh, believe it, he's coming in the town. It appears
7: to be gonna six, all right. And a glass of wine, okay. Come
6: on, Rock, go to the rear. Let's go to work right now, Rock. Come on.
7: Now Rocky coming back out, and he's like a bull in a china closet. He really wants it. Apollo, left of the head. Ah, stay. <laughs> All right, now the champion's coming back. He's coming off the floor now, and he's trying to put him with the oh, hard left the right. Another left, another right. Combinations into the base. And that's the Apollo we
4: know.
5: <laughs> now he's
7: taunting him. The champion's taunting Rocky to come out into some <laughs> Left, another. Another left. Now more. Jumping into the air Oh, yeah, Rocky's right. coming back now. Left and right. Rocky's right. right. got him on the road. Hey. Okay, let's break. punch. Let's break. Let's go. He throws into the boxer. I'll tell
5: you, there's no way I expected this kind of hitting power. Oh, no way.
7: But you know it's the ability of your champion. The pull it back. Follow
6: him, loading the left. He really tied him up against the rope. He's back and long!
7: He's leading him back over to his corner. Rocky can hardly find his way. He's coming up. He's sitting
4: down now. <laughs>
7: Your nose is broke. How's it look?
1: That's an improvement. I want you to quit chucking and diving. I want you to stick and
7: move. Go for the ribs. <sighs> just Don't just let that, go that go bastard breathe.
3: The guy's crazy.
7: He doesn't know it's a damn show. He thinks it's a damn fight. Finish this bomb and let's go home. Right. Stay in the body. The body. On, great. Here we go, round two. Creed predicted He would win it in three. Creed got knocked down mm-hmm. in the first. He came back strong at the end of the first. Oh, and he's working now. Oh, that shot. left. Again, a hard right. And now coming in, he's pushing him right into the corner again. The champion's got rock back in the corner, <clears> throwing <throat> him left and right. His head bouncing up against the ring wall. <clears throat> Oh, Balboa's is taking a tremendous beating uh-huh. here. Battle uh-huh. like like a punching bag. Uh-huh. What's keeping him up?
9: Uh-huh. Oh, come on, man, don't you fight? Stop playing around a group the people
4: something.
7: And he says he wants
9: more. He wants more.
7: You folks in television around the world, you're watching a battle. I tell you that. Uh-huh. <laughs> Elbow is trying to fight back. Oh, he tagged the champion at the hook. The champion is trying to get himself out of there, but he just can't do it. He is being barraged with lefts and rights to the head, to the body to the head. Elbow is tagging the champion right on the kisser.
0: In addition to the amazing music, the fight announcers were just perfect. And they were real announcers. No boxing films prior to Rocky looked as good and felt as real as this film. It totally changed all fight films. Also, I like how a lot of the fight is shot through the ropes instead of up close in the ring. Most audiences, when they watched a fight, was through this angle. It's really well done. So when Rocky knocks down Apollo for the first time in the, in the first round, my dad said that the whole theater just went crazy. It was like watching a real fight. Also, Rocky was so stunned that he knocked Apollo down that he didn't even go back to his corner. If he had, Apollo might have been counted out because it gave him time to you know basically regain his senses and get up. However, that would have been a terrible movie, but it's worth pointing out. And then we get another brilliant montage with an equally brilliant score from Bill Conti.
6: The, fight, nothing, man. Nothing, man.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the look on Apollo's face when Rocky gets up is absolutely priceless. He had the almost defeated, are you kidding me look. As if Rocky is just like a machine that that won't be stopped. And as you can hear the crowd, they're rooting for Rocky now. They're chanting his name. Everyone loves an underdog. And Rocky has a chance to take the champ to the distance. And any guy that tells his manager to slice open his eyelid in order to see uh, and to continue his fight is just badass. Even if it's unrealistic. Uh, though Ronnie Lott, who used to play safety for the San Francisco 49ers, cut off his pinky finger to continue playing football instead of a corrective surgery, which would have cost him his entire season.
7: Oh, oh the champion really tagged him. And a clearly protecting his right side, his ribs.
9: be no rematch. Ain't gonna be no rematch. The 1-1. Here,
4: it's
7: chaos. Rocky, you went the distance. You went the 15 rounds. How do you feel? All and right, I'm right. What are you thinking about when that buzzer's out uh, for that What do you think about when the 15th round uh, you're coming out? What you're
4: about Rocky! Hey!
6: Yeah. I love you! I
4: love you! I love you! I love you! I love you!
0: Everything about the final round of the fight and the aftermath is just goosebump-inducing. Rocky doesn't even care that he lost the fight. He won because he was standing at the end. And as a matter of fact, if the round had kept going, Apollo was likely going to fall because Rocky had him on the ropes and Apollo had nothing left. And this comes into play during the beginning of Rocky 2. But again, I just love that Rocky couldn't care less about the mayhem or if he even won. He just wanted to be next to Adrian. I also love that he wonders where her hat was when she finally makes it a ring. Also, the way that Adrian and Rocky embrace after she tells him she loves him and he says that he loves her too is just perfect because their movements work in complete synchronicity with the score as the music kind of reaches its crescendo. It's absolutely brilliant. And then the frozen shot when the music finally ends, it's like at the peak of elation of his life. It's just legendary. It's the subtle things that make Rocky so endearing and still to this day one of my all-time favorite films. So in the original ending, Rocky goes the distance and he's looking for Adrian in the crowd, but it's not as urgent like the real ending. He's just sort of meandering through the exiting crowd he's looking for. He finally gets to the back of the arena and he pulls back a curtain and he finds her. She sort of gives him a soft hug and he grabs a flag from the side and then they slowly walk into the distance hand in hand kind of quietly. And all Rocky could think about was how much he loved Adrian and how he just wanted to get back to his regular life again. However, this scene didn't seem very satisfying and though you can actually see the last frame that was shot in the movie poster and certain DVD covers. So they decided to quickly reshoot the scene, but they didn't have a lot of money for the additional shoot. So the reason the shots between Rocky and Adrian are so tight is because they only had 30 extras to fill the scene with. So while this may look like a packed arena and ring, it really wasn't. This is movie magic. To prepare for the final fight scene, Avelson decided to shoot Stallone and Carl Weathers on 8mm as a rehearsal of sorts for the actors to get a sense of what they would look like on camera. At first, Stallone and Weathers just tried to do the fight spontaneously. You know, like, you do this, I'll do that, you know, that type of thing. But Avelson quickly realized that this wouldn't work or look good at all. So he told Stallone to go back and write out each move and sequence the fight so that it would look as tight as can be everything would be choreographed and rehearsed, sort of like a ballet. Stallone, that night, wrote over 30 pages for the fight scene and had six weeks to prepare the fighting. Alveson showed the 8mm shots to Bill Conti, who then wrote the score around the feeling of the fight scenes. Muhammad Ali actually wrote a note to Sylvester Stallone congratulating him on the film, and it, it included a trademark Ali poem. You fought and you worked. You're a determined guy. Rocky is great. And we all love you, Sly. And if you get an Oscar, remember, please do. The greatest will also get one, because I'm prettier than you. Alright, some fun facts. The film won Oscars for Best Picture, Best Director, and Best Film Editing. It was the first sports film to win Best Picture. The other boxing movie to win Best Picture was Clint Eastwood's Million Dollar Baby. Carrie Snodgrass was originally the choice to play Adrian, but the producer's and her couldn't agree on the money amount. And Susan Sarandon auditioned for the role, but was considered too pretty for the role. Cher was actually also considered for the role as well. Lee J. Cobb, Lou Ayers, Victor Jory, and Broderick Crawford were also considered for the role of Mickey. So during the scene where Gazzo, and that's Joe Spinell, is talking to Rocky about not breaking the dock worker's thumbs, Gazzo actually pulls out an inhaler mid-sentence and uses it. And that wasn't written into the script. Spinell actually had an asthma attack at that moment and really had to use his inhaler right on camera. It was totally spur of the moment. John Alvison actually loved how authentic it looked and what it brought to the scene. So he decided to leave it in the film. So at the end of filming, Stallone actually kept the two turtles, Cuff and Link. And as of you know, June of 2019, he still has them and they're alive and well. So at the end credits of the first five Rocky movies, there's a dedication to someone named Jane Oliver. And this was an early manager of Sylvester Stallone before he was famous, and she actually died of cancer just before Rocky was released. All right, some final thoughts about this amazing movie. For me, Rocky is like modern-day folklore. Uh, Everything has to work right for a film to become part of the culture of society. And even if someone hasn't seen this movie, they know the character. Rocky is Americana at its finest, and uh, you know, thank you to Sylvester Stallone and everyone who created this masterpiece. For me, the world is a better place because of Rocky. All right, that's a long episode of just me, uh, but you can tell how much I love this movie, and I wanted to give everything I had, just like Rocky did, to this episode, so I hope you enjoy it, and I'll be back next week for yet another episode from my random and very vast DVD collection. Hey, this is Brian Davis, and you might know me from the Damn Good Movie Memories podcast. And now, get ready for the Bad Beat Show on ThatMetalStation.com from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. Eastern every Wednesday night. I'm going to play some kick-ass hard rock inspired by the blues, because after all, the foundation of all things rock and metal is, of course, the blues. So join me every Wednesday night for the Bad Beat, because even when you lose, you still win.
6: there ain't nothing else like it the one the only the original biera vault on podbean stitcher.com and itunes spreaker god damn it <laughs> <laughs>